Morning, church. Hope you're good. And God's good. It's miracle working, God. That's, that's awesome, man. And I, I hope that as we sang that again, it really became a declaration for you that in your life, God wants to work miracles. He um, wants to do incredible things in you, um, for you, through you. And that's what we're going to continue talking about today. Um, I'm going to do something a little different than what I did at nine, what I felt like I was supposed to do at nine. We have less time um, today than normal, but, but I feel like there's something a little different, a little more specific that God wants to share uh, with you this morning, and I just want to try to be obedient to that. Um, I do want to give you a few things. We're actually going to read in just a second. This won't be on the screen, so if you have a Bible, you can turn there. Um, if you have your phone, whatever, you're going to look at the Scripture on um, let's go to 2 Corinthians 3 to start with. Uh, this won't be on screen. Then we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 4. This will be on the screen. And so uh, that'll be up there for you to read along with if you uh, don't have access to a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one. So um, they'll do that right out there at their next steps table after the service. Uh, today, I want to mention a couple of things to you, or three things actually. One of those is that next Sunday we're doing baptisms. If uh, you're, you've come to faith in Christ, you're a believer in Jesus, and um, you've never been baptized as a believer in Christ, then I want to encourage you that that's your next step. Biblically, that is the next step that we take. Um, it's a public profession of our faith. It, it is us uh, showing that we identify with Christ in his death and burial and resurrection. It's... Um, it's recognizing what Jesus has done for us by faith in him that our sins have been taken away, that we've gone from death to life. And so if you have not done that, I want to encourage you that that's your next step if you're a follower of Jesus. And um, you can sign up for those because we want to be able to get in touch with you and give you some information, talk with you some about that. Um, at our next steps table, go out the back, uh, sign up there if that's what you um, know is your next step to take or if you just want to talk with somebody about it and, and we'll get you moving in that direction. Second thing, prayer and worship tonight, we're going to have that at six. So we'd love for you to come and be a part of that. Um, very vital to where God's leading us and what God's doing. Uh, we, we come and we worship and we pray. Um, pretty simple um, in that format, but we just uh, try to allow God to do what he wants to do. And so I want to encourage you to come and be a part of that. Something that's new you have not heard about um, that I wanted to announce this morning is on March the 10th, um, we're at 6 o'clock, we're going to have a prayer time at 5 that day. Um, and then at 6, we're going to have a time where um, we get together and specifically to begin to explore and look at how's God gifted each of us. Um, I've talked to a lot of people lately who... They feel like God is, I don't know exactly the best way to phrase it, but, but is stirring their heart to be a part of, of what God's doing, uh, be a part of his kingdom. There's a desire in them that they just want to be, they feel like God's calling them to, to be a part of, of what he's doing more. But, but some people, and I've talked with some of you, they've kind of gotten frustrated because there's like, I don't know what the outlet is for this. Well, we want to first start on March the 10th at 6 o'clock by helping identify um, what God's called us to do, our spiritual gifts. Every one of us has a gift that's placed inside of us or multiple gifts that the Spirit gives us that um, he's able to use for his kingdom. We'll talk about that some more today. But March uh, the 10th at 6 o'clock, 
Go ahead and put that on your calendars, if you will. Uh, it's going to be important. It's important for our church. So we'd love to have you come and be a part of that. I want to encourage you to do that. And so um, that's where that's at. So where we've been, we've been looking at who is God, just answering this broad question, specifically the last uh, two weeks and now this week, looking at the Holy Spirit. We talked about how we kind of relate to the Father. We kind of understand the Son. I mean, he walked among us. He was in flesh. So we kind of understand that. But the Holy Spirit, he's kind of like this gray um, being, right? Um, we don't really know what to do with him. And so the last two weeks, we've been looking at the Holy Spirit as the Spirit of grace. I want to give you a, a, a definition again. Some of you have seen this, but I want to give you a definition again of grace because typically in the church, we've kind of limited our understanding of grace. We've, we've defined grace as God's unmerited favor or God's unconditional love is kind of the definition that's often used. But grace is so much bigger than that. Grace um, is, is po God's power working in us through his spirit. I want to give you this definition, which is... Um, Grace equals basically God's desire and ability to do in us or do for us, in us, and through us what we cannot do ourselves. So God's grace is his desire and ability to do for us, in us, and through us what we cannot do for ourselves. How does he do that? He does that through his Holy Spirit in the Old Testament and the New Testament. So both parts of the Bible, the Spirit in places is referred to as the Spirit of grace. So the way we experience the grace of God is through the Spirit of God. You cannot separate grace and Spirit. They, they work together, okay? And so I want you to remember that. So today, I want us to to break down the last part of that definition. As we look at the first two weeks, we looked at how um, God, his, his spirit of grace does for us what we cannot do. We talked about the relationship that's established um, between us and God through the work of Christ, the spirit bringing us to that realization, that revelation. But not only have we now been made right with God, we can also begin through the working of the spirit in us um, to have right relationships with each other. So what we could not do, God's grace through Christ has been done for us. And by the spirit of God, we now have a relationship with God. And through the working of the spirit, we can have a relationship with each other. Last week, we looked at how God's spirit, the spirit of grace does in us what we cannot do. And how the spirit of grace, when we behold the glory of Christ in the face of Christ, through this revelation of, of who the, um, Jesus is that's given by the Holy Spirit, and we begin to walk with Christ, um, we begin to see God transforming our lives, doing in us what we cannot do. Uh, today, we're going to look at God doing through us what we cannot do. Um, and I want you to understand that God, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you're a Christian, if you have put your faith in Christ, God has called you to be a part of his church, a part of his body, a part of, of uh, engaging in what God wants to do throughout the earth, that his glory would fill the earth. He's called us to be a part of that, and each one of you have been gifted to do that. And so that's what I want to talk about today um, with you guys. So I want to read just... Uh, couple of verses, actually a few verses. In 2 Corinthians 3, I want to read uh, verses 1 through 6, and then we're going to jump over to Ephesians 4. 
Paul's writing this. He says to them, he's, again, we looked at this last week where he's defending his apostleship. If you haven't heard the last two messages, I really encourage you to go back and listen to those because they're, uh, they're, they're, they're important to where we're at and where we're going. He's defending his leadership, the gospel, the message that he's been preaching. He says, are we beginning to commend ourselves again? In other words, are we having to defend ourselves to you? Or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are a letter written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. We broke all that down last week. But listen to verse four. He's, he's telling them the validity of the ministry they've been called to, the message they preach, and the leadership that God's given them. He says in verse four, such confidence we have through Christ before God. So where does their confidence come from? It doesn't come from their ability. It doesn't even come from uh, Paul's own righteousness as he lives out his life. He knows that he is uh, not righteous or right with God apart from Jesus. And so he says such confidence we have through Christ before God, not confidence in himself, confidence in Christ and what he's done so that now he can come to God. The spirit of God has been given to him, living in him. He says, not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our confidence, our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, this new agreement that God has with us through Jesus, how he relates to us. He says, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. In other words, the law, the rules, and trying to make ourselves right with God by obeying law and rules. He's saying that just leads to condemnation and death. But when we realize that the price for that rebellion, that we can't keep the law, so we've rebelled against God, has been paid by Jesus, he says the spirit gives us life in that. And so we're able to live. It doesn't condemn, it brings life. So Ephesians 4 now, let's read a few verses here. Paul is speaking to the Ephesians. We looked at some of these verses in chapter 2 um, a couple of weeks ago where God makes us right with himself. He makes us right with others. We go through now, we come to a place where, again, God is encouraging through Paul a unified church, a church where there is no Jew or Gentile, the Jews being the people of God chosen in the Old Testament. Um, now Gentiles, us who are not Jewish, being brought into fellowship with them, unity with them. And so Paul is talking about this great unity in the body. He says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Many times we think about a life worthy of the calling. We look at our own individual life and, and we begin to focus on um, trying to make our life worthy of his calling. That's biblical and that's true. But in this situation, you're going to see that what Paul is speaking to is a unified church, that our life together is, is a life worthy of the calling when we live in unity as the church was designed to be. He says, be completely humble and gentle, be patient bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. So he's telling us some characteristics and things that are needed if we're gonna stay in this unity that the spirit wants to bring. There's one body and one spirit just as you were called to one hope when you were called. 
one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Basically, he's saying, listen, our unity comes from the unity of God, the Father, Son, and Spirit, so that our unity flows out of what they've done for us, what God has done for us in our lives through his grace and spirit of grace. But to each one of us, Grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Remember, grace is not just his love. Has he given us his love? Absolutely. But what else has he done? He's given us the ability uh, to do through us what we cannot do on our own. He does this through us, in us, and through us. So he gives this to each one who is each one, each one who's come to faith as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended on ascended mean? Except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. We don't have time to spend a lot on that, those few verses. But basically what he's saying is Jesus took the ultimate form of humiliation. He descended to earth. He even went to the point of humiliation by death on a cross. And so he's saying, look, this is what God did. He, he lowered himself. He came down to earth. He, he became nothing, assumed himself to be nothing and served us by death on a cross. And so because he descended, now he has paid the price for sin. He has ascended. And because he's ascended, he can now send back the Holy Spirit to reside in those who have faith in him. And that's how he gives the gifts. The Father sent the Son. Now the Son sends the Spirit, and the Spirit gives us gifts to use, and he's about to tell us about some of those. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for the work for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Let's pray, and we have exactly, I can't add, that would be six, 20 minutes. So maybe, maybe 20. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that you're here. God, that you are surrounding us. You're with us, God. Thank you that you work miracles, and I pray for that right now as we look at your truth, God. I pray, Lord, that you would show us and begin to stir in us a desire uh, not just to sit around outside the kingdom, but, God, to engage. God, that we would experience the thrill of being used by you in what you've called us to, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. How many of you like uh, music? Any people that love music in here? You like music? You don't like riding in a silent car? You need music? Okay. Um, hands down. How many of you like Christian music? Anybody like Christian music? See, all of you have to raise your hand because you're in church. Um, so you're like, I like music. Oh, I don't like Christian music. You can't do that in church, right? So anyway, um, how many of you like uh, country music? Any country music people in here? Sinners? Um, and so, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I like country music too. Um, but how many of you like like classic rock music? Classic rock people, you like some classic rock. How many of you like classical music? Classical music, really? Um, right? How many of you like the music? It's like, right? You like, y'all scare me. And so that's a little freaky, man. I don't know, man. Um, but anyway, I'm kidding. We love you too. Crazy. Um, but, but anyway, we look at all these different kinds of music. Uh, I was talking with somebody the other day. It's kind of funny. 
And we were talking about country music and kind of how country music's become. And, you know, coming along in the age that I did, uh, country music kind of became cool, you know, when I was a teenager. And so um, one of the people that my wife has always loved is George Strait. Right? She's always loved George Strait fans. Like, oh, he's old now, right? So get over it. And so, but George Strait still goes around singing his songs. You know, I think about some of his songs like um, Cross My Heart, you know, um, uh, um, Amarillo by Morning, those kinds of songs. Um, I Got a Car, a little more new, right? He, he goes around, he's still singing those songs, even though he's gotten on up in age. And I was talking with someone and we were like, you know, it's kind of hard for like Luke Bryan to project that in the future. Because by the time Luke Bryan is 65 years old, it's going to be kind of creepy singing Country Girl Shake It for me. You know what I'm saying? Like, it does not work the same way. It doesn't work. He's going to be like, Country Girl Shake It for me. It's just not going to work. It's not. And so he's not projecting far enough forward. And so we, we, we look at these different um, styles of music and all these different things that go on in and, and music. And we all kind of have our own taste maybe for music. Some of us like a wide variety. Some of us only like one type. And if you think about the variety of music that exists in the world, I want you to understand that, that in Christ, God gives us all kind of our own rhythm. God gives us all our own gifting. He, he, he equips us with something that this outside of our natural ability, it may enhance a natural ability, but it, sometimes it's completely outside of our natural ability to be used in the kingdom. And so God in his grace and through the spirit of grace does through us what we cannot do ourselves. I want to encourage you this morning that, that you have, if you have faith in Christ, you have received the spirit. You have received the spirit of grace. And there is something inside of you, a gifting um, that God has put there that he wants to use through you in his kingdom. When we look at this, we see where Paul is laying this out and he's telling us basically that part of the key to unity in the church is that all the gifts work together, that everybody is fulfilling their part. The church has kind of messed this up though because what is it saying here? It says that God has given, he says apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. In other words, God has given different types of leadership to the church, but this particular leadership, it exists to do what? He said it exists to equip the saints or the people for works of service. Some translations say to equip the saints for the work of ministry. When you look at that, what is a saint? Is it some guy that lived a really good life or they think he lived a really good life? So they put a statue of him outside a cathedral. No, I mean, it is, but it's not, not here, right? A saint is someone who's put faith in Christ so they've been transferred from sinner to saint, not in ourselves, look, Still sinner, right? But in Christ, saint. In Christ, made right with God. And so what he's saying here is that there's people who are called to leadership in the body, in the church, that they're called to this leadership to equip other people, to begin to equip them for the work of ministry or for service that God has planned for us to do. He says this, he says, is to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. 
And so he tells us why. He goes on and he says, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That's a lot of words. What does he mean? He's saying, look, when this leadership begins to fulfill their purpose in the body, they begin to equip the people, the, the saints, the church to, to do ministry. And to, when they begin to do ministry, the body is built up. As Christ has apportioned these gifts, as they're being used in the body, the body is built up. The church becomes what it's actually supposed to be. He says, even to the point where the church comes to the unity of the faith, and he says that they, we come to the fullness of Christ. What does that mean? It means that as we're working together, as we come together and are using the gifts that God's given to each one of us, that we begin to see this unity take place as the Spirit draws us together. And as we work together and are serving in our gifting, what begins to take place is we begin to experience the fullness of Christ together. And not only do we experience the fullness of Christ amongst each other, but the world begins to see the fullness of Christ in the body, in the church. But we've messed this up, guys, and I'm as guilty as anybody in this. And, and because here's what's happened. We look at those who maybe are on staff at the church or the pastor, and we say, look, all right, I, I give some money every week. So I pay him to do the work of ministry. I hear people say that. They're like, all right, I, well, preacher, I paid you. How about come on by here and see me? It's not even right. right? It's not even biblical. It's not biblical. For one, it's wrong because it's not biblical. Two, it's wrong because it's unproductive to think that one person or a group of people can do everything. Three, it's, it's not fair to you. It robs you of the opportunity to experience being a part of what God is doing. Three, it robs me or the staff of the church. Why? Because we're running around like chickens with our head cut off, trying to do everything for a thousand people that a thousand people should be doing. It doesn't work. And I hear all of this, guys. I hear it all. I hear, well, you know, I remember back in the day we had a little church and the pastor would come by and he'd sit down and drink coffee and eat cake with us every Wednesday. I'm not doing that. <laughs> and people get angry, like, right? But I can't be in every hospital room. I can't be at every connect group. I can't be... Um, at every funeral, I can't be at every wedding. I can't do every wedding. I can't do that. And neither can anybody else on our staff do all of it. Nobody can. And so the key to it is that we've got to step into what God's gifted us to do. And we as pastors, if we would focus in on the ministry of the word, preaching the word and prayer and quit spending time eating coffee and, 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 and or drinking coffee and eating blueberry muffins, maybe then the church would be the church right? I mean, meet, let's, let's focus on what God's called us to focus to on. Let, let's, let's equip people to be the body. Some of you have this gift of hospitality, like you love having people in your home. Not me. I like to go home, get on a pair of shorts, watch Family Feud. <laughs> That's what I like to do. And, and, and 
I remember when my grandparents, you know, were still alive and, and every night they watched Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy. I was like, this is so boring. And now I'm like, that's Steve Harvey. He's a character. Every night. And so I'm, I'm getting old. Um, but, but we realize, like, we've all got different gifts, man. We've all been called to do different things, to play a different role. And, and I, I repent. I, I'm sorry for in the past, we've not always made it easy for people to step into a gifting. Listen, some of it is gifting that may not take place here. It might be in the community. But I know this, the church is called to do two things. We're called as the body to care for each other right? We're called to care for each other so that the body is healthy, but we're also called to go into the world and we're called to go into the world to see um, new land taken, so to speak, spiritual ground gained. We're, we're to see that spiritual ground occupied by, by believers who've come to faith in Christ and then seeing it transformed so that dark places are full of light. That's what God's called us to, caring for the body, going to the world, but a few people can't do that. That's what March 10th is really about. It's about those of you who are feeling that God's put a desire in your heart to do more, to be a part of it more, to borrow, God's put something here. Maybe it's been there for years. Maybe it's been there for weeks or days, but then we're gonna begin to explore that and see how does this fit into the church, the big C church? That's what it's about. And so today, the first thing I want you to hear is that each one of us are called to be a part of the kingdom, to be a part of the ministry. It's not a calling for just a handful. When we come to Christ in faith, God gives us something through his spirit of grace that he wants to do through us that we cannot do on our own. What I felt specifically to speak to in this service, though, is in 2 Corinthians 3, I want first to encourage you to be praying. Be praying about, God, what is it you have for me? What's my purpose in the kingdom? What's my purpose in the church? I want to fulfill what you created me for. What is, what is that? We're going to begin to explore that together. But the other thing that I felt like was really huge today in this service is where Paul says such confidence we have through Christ before God not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our, comp our competence comes from God. He's made us competent. This is what I really felt in my heart today is that there's people here today who, one of the issues for you not stepping into ministry is you don't feel competent. I think that's a hindrance for a lot of people. I know many times it becomes a hindrance for me. I've shared this with you before that sometimes I come up here to, to preach a message and to share with you guys. And I'm like, how can I stand up there when I know who I really am, right? And, and for some of us, it's, it's our past or it's who we are right now, how we see ourselves right now. It, it's it's um, a fear of what if I fail, all of these things. For some of you, the issue is, is really an internal battle because what happens is you begin to think maybe about doing something or being a part of something. And then you're kind of gripped by, by condemnation. You're gripped by maybe um, fear. You're gripped by shame. You're gripped by something that hinders you from being able to step into what it is that God has for you. 
I wanted to share this with you today is if anybody here has those feelings, I want you to understand that I've had those more. I guarantee you, like, I'm right there with you, so to speak. Because in my own life, as I went through life until I was 24 years old, basically, I ran as far away from God as I possibly could. I, I did the typical stuff that everybody, you know, whatever that is, does. And I was cynical of God. I, I, I cussed God. I made fun of people who loved God. Um, I, I blasphemed God. I, I, it, it was just where I was. I didn't have a heart for God at all. And then through a series of events when I was 24, I realized God's love for me. During somebody speaking, I heard a message, and then there's a message really dealing with the sin in my life, and, and I wanted to get mad and turn away from the message and leave where I was, but what ended up happening was I just heard in my mind, if you just turn around, listen to what they say, turn around. And when I did, God was there. God was there, and it wasn't in a way that um, I was rebuked, in a way that I was smacked upside the head. It was in a way that I was embraced. And that changed my life forever. It wasn't a fear of going to hell. Um, that, I, it just didn't bother me. I was like, well, if he's going to send me there, that's where I'm going, I guess. It was the love of God, realizing how far I had run, and he still wanted me. And for some of you today, you feel like damaged goods. You feel like you've gone too far, you've done too much, that God can never use you. And my prayer is that the Holy Spirit would be speaking to your heart, maybe like I was in that place where I was trying to block it out, I wanted to turn away, but I, I, I hope that the Spirit, maybe in a matter of words, is saying, shut up, listen to what he says, and hear my voice speaking to you that I do not create damaged goods. My prayer for you is that your past would not hinder your future, that you would remember that God is a miracle-working God, that it's God who makes us competent, it's, our, it's God who gives us our competence, it's God who makes us worthy of being used by him. And in this, man, we've really got to see that God desires to use the least of these. And Ephesians chapter 3, Paul says, look, even though I'm the least of all God's people, this grace was given to me. Paul knew what it was to sin. He knew what it was to murder. He knew what it was to blaspheme Jesus' name. He knew what it was to persecute those who called on the name of Jesus. And yet Paul recognized this, that when I was at my worst, God showed me his best by bringing me to faith in Christ through the revelation that was given to me by the Holy Spirit. My heart for you today is that you would come to that realization that you're not too far away from God to come to him and, and you haven't gone so far in the past that it's disqualified you from a future with him, a future of being used. I would encourage you to turn to him, maybe for the first time, maybe for the hundredth time, I don't know, but turning our hearts back to him.
something that I really felt to share this morning. I want to encourage some of you, because this is more and more prevalent in the world today. I want to encourage some of you who are battling with mental illness. I want to encourage you, and, and I don't know, I don't, I mean, I don't know, maybe this is for one person, it doesn't matter, but I want to encourage you, you're not disqualified from life. I want to encourage you if you're riddled with anxiety or fear, you're struggling with depression, bipolar, God's not done with you. And for some of you, I, I fear even that you've gotten to a place where I've been, where the thought of even taking your own life has come to mind. And this morning, you need to hear the Holy Spirit saying to you, I love you. I'm here with you. I will not leave you, I will not forsake you. And I wanna encourage you having been in that place, battling depression, very dark. I wanna encourage you just to keep stepping. I wanna encourage you that God still has a plan for you. That he's not finished. When you can't do anything else, just lift your eyes to the Lord and take one more step. You're not disqualified and God's not turned his back on you. You're not guilty for having to take medicine. You're not condemned. And if somebody says you are, then come tell them to come see me. I got a big baseball bat. Life is hard at times, but the good news is that God's with us. See, here's where the body has to be the body. If you're struggling with something like that, one of the biggest challenges is that it isolates you many times. You begin to withdraw and that only makes it that much worse. But this is the church, right? We want to surround you and help you, walk with you, pray with you, whatever that looks like. I want to encourage you that if that's where you're at, listen, it's okay that you're there, but let's keep pushing forward so you don't stay there. Contact us up here. Let us help you. 
I know it's real, I know it's hard, you can't see it on a scan, you can't see it on an x-ray, but it's real. And so I wanna walk with you through that, we want to walk with you through that. You're not disqualified. God still wants to use you, your life is not over. Be encouraged. God is for you, then who can be against you? And take one more step. I want to pray for us as we close out. Um, why don't you stand? Let's stand and pray together. Let's just ask the Lord to continue to stir our hearts to what he has for us. I do want to give opportunity that if you don't know the Lord and you feel that the Holy Spirit's drawing you close, you feel that the Lord is speaking to your heart about coming to faith in Jesus. And today you've reached that point of saying, yeah, I'm coming to faith. I, I need Christ. Look, here we don't do it with eyes closed. We don't do it secretively because it's not something to be ashamed of. It's something that we should celebrate. And if the Lord maybe over the last few weeks has been speaking to your heart and today maybe, maybe it's today, listen, but you know that the Lord is saying to you, it's time. And today you come to, you're coming to faith, salvation in Christ. And what I want you to do is I want you to raise your hand real high so that our, our prayer team can pray with you. We can walk with you through this. This is the beginning of a new life. It's not the end of the journey, but the beginning. Okay. Well, let's pray right now that God would continue to stir our hearts. Father, we thank you for life. We thank you for the life that we have in Christ. God, I pray right now that a, a desire would be stirred in our heart, God, a desire that comes from you. God, would you, um, would you stir that in us, Lord? Give us the courage to step into faith. God, I pray right now for people who maybe are struggling, I pray that they would have the courage to get help, to not live in isolation, but to reach out, God, to let people know, to tell somebody, to tell us, Lord. God, give us courage to continue to move and grow and continue to... God, look, look, look up to you. God, just draw us together. Draw this community together, the churches, Lord, your church together. Unite us in one heart, God. Help us to see all that we have in common and not focus on those minute things that are different. We love you, God, and thank you for the work of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, God bless you guys. Y'all have a great week.